This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Good evening and welcome to the Full Press Patriots podcast. I'm your host, Chris Simino. Tonight is a defensive night. We're going to get after it on the defensive side of the ball. We're going to ignore the offense altogether. This is just what we're going to do. No offense. We're not talking about it at all. It's draft eve. This is the time. This is my favorite time of year. I know a lot of you guys that are sitting here listening to this podcast. If you listen to this, clearly you like football. So I know you guys are as excited for tomorrow night as I am. And not only tomorrow night, but to be honest, if you're a Patriots fan, you should be more excited for the the other days because that's when they typically do their best work. So, um, again, the reason why we're going to talk about the defense is because it's important and you can't win championships without it. The Patriots' 2021 defense was very up and down. Um, There is a lot of work to be done in this upcoming draft. Uh, I know that, in I'll talk a little bit of the offense, one of the things that we've heard all leading up to this draft is everyone talking about they need wide receivers and they need this and that, even myself saying that they need to replace, that they need a new guard. They do need that. And if there's somebody there at 21 that's a game changer, then they'll probably go offense. But... I don't think that's going to happen. I think that this team is going most likely either defensive tackle or linebacker. Um, Reason being is, and I know a lot of people have said this to me, and I I would agree with them on that, I think the Patriots think they could find a guard in the second or third round, maybe even later than that, and it's not easy to find defensive talent, especially game-changing talent that could be available at the 21st pick. That's not easy to find later on in the draft. And sometimes you're going to strike gold, but most of the time you got to find these guys early, and that's what the Patriots, I think, they're going to try to do. Um, so we're going to go right through the whole entire defense. We're going to go top to bottom. That's, uh, that's just how I do it. Actually, bottom to top. We're going to start up front with our defensive line, front seven, and then we'll work our way back to the secondary. Um, you know, the secondary is an interesting thing because it's actually been rebuilt in a way. Uh, J.C. Jackson, you know, he took his talents to Los Angeles. I still want to call him San Diego all the time, but I'm going to call him Los Angeles because they're starting to actually put together a good team there, and they, they deserve to be called where they were actually from. Um, it, but we got back Malcolm Butler. I know people didn't seem all that excited about that, but let me just put this out there for you guys. Malcolm Butler, in 2020, when he was still in the league, now I know he gets burnt occasionally, but Stephon Gilmore used to get burnt sometimes too, and so did J.C. Jackson. It's not like these guys don't get beat. That's the name of the game. It happens. Malcolm Butler was the 14th ranked. If I'm incorrect on that, I apologize, but I, I swear to God that I know I saw this statistic. He was a 14th ranked cornerback in 2020. Last season, he was quote-unquote retired. I think he just took a year to get his body right. But the Patriots are going to change up their scheme most likely, so 
Butler could probably fit in as what they're trying to do. I know J.C. Jackson was a very opportunistic player, but I think people need to slow their roll on the fear of the secondary being terrible. Let's not forget that they lost Jonathan Jackson last year. Uh, uh, they lost their nickel corner last year, too. They got him coming back this year. That changes a lot of things. You know, when you when you lose that guy that can shut down those guys in the middle and slow down those little water bugs, it changes everything. Now they got him back. That's going to clean things up for them. In in the to to add Butler and say he's not that good. That's okay. They still have other guys and they're going to make it work. And like I said, I don't think the Patriots are going to be playing man. So we'll get back to that later. Um, also in the secondary, I thought it was interesting that. They went out and signed Jabril Peppers. Uh, Peppers is the type of guy that can probably play a little bit of a linebacker role, third safety. There's something different coming defensively from New England this year. I don't want to say it's something that the league has never seen or anything like that, but I, I think the Patriots are really going light. I think they're going to go speed, and I think they're going to try to go with the most physical, strong guys that they can find. They're trying to get fast, but they're trying to do it as physical as they possibly can. So that's an interesting thing. And we'll we'll go over the secondary a little bit before we're all said and done here just to to dig a little bit deeper into it. You know, it, last year they got beat bad by Buffalo in that playoff game. In the last two times that they played Buffalo, they got absolutely torched by Josh Allen. And the thing is, like I know a lot of people say, well if you go to if you go to a zone defense, he's just gonna pick his own apart. Well, not necessarily. The thing is with him is you got to get pressure on him. you got to move him around the pocket. You actually have to catch him. You know, that's one of the things that people talk about. And I've talked about this when I was a host of – I used to be the host of Locked On Patriots. Now it's the great Mike debate. Mike's doing a great job. But I talked about this on that show back then too. You, you can't have those issues. If you're having a problem in that area, then you're not going to be able to win any games. Giving up. Seven touchdowns, I think that's what it was, seven possessions. They gave up 47 points. It, it, just the way that they did it, it's unheard of. But you you got you to gotta make the sack. you got to bring him down. you got to hit him. If you don't hit Josh Allen, again, you're not going to win games. He will make the play. So I think going to a more fast zone style of defense where you have eyes on him and eyes on the receiver so he can't escape the pocket as easily as as he's been doing and then if you add speed to your linebackers and you add speed to your defensive front that is how you have to deal with the buffalo bills and the truth of the matter is that's the team you need to get by now you know everybody's under the impression that's oh my god you got the chiefs and you got the the Bengals now and all no the first thing you need to do is to make sure that you're the best team in your division. New England won six Super Bowls because they absolutely dominated the AFC East for two decades. That gave them their path to get their first round by and to get into the AFC Championship every single year, it seemed like, and it pretty much was for almost a decade because they took care of business in their division. You have to win your division or you have no chance. So the Patriots need to overcome this Buffalo Bills I don't want to call it a juggernaut because it's not. And <clears throat> hate to break it to some of their fans, but they've become one of the probably the most obnoxious fan bases in football because it's very difficult to sit there and listen to a fan base talk about how good they are when they haven't really won anything except for a division twice. But they are good, and they have Josh Allen, and he's not going anywhere. The thing is, they are a front-running team. 
It was proven last year, and they have trouble winning the big game. And the Patriots have a bunch of guys that have won the big game. Even some of the guys that are just coaches and things like that, that matters because they know how to work with the players to teach them how to do that. If the Patriots can compete with Buffalo and they can do it playing a zone defense, then that's what Bill Belichick's going to do because he understands the same thing I just said. You need to get by Buffalo or Miami or the Jets, whoever ends up taking the being the, the top team in the division. And but Miami, yeah, they had a good offseason, but Buffalo is still clearly the top team and the Patriots still clearly number two. Until you get by Buffalo, you're just going to be back to an average playoff team again. Once you get past them, then we can start talking maybe possibly getting back to another Super Bowl, AFC Championship. But they gotta, they have to switch their defense. They have to change things up, and they have to change their personnel and their personnel philosophy because clearly it did not work. You know, the only time they beat them last year was, as we all know, was in a, a weather event with 50 mile an hour winds, where Mac Jones couldn't throw the ball. Josh Allen could, and I'm not saying Mac Jones is going to weak arm because I actually think Mac Jones is, I think he's Drew Brees in the remade. And I know people will laugh at that. I don't care. You know, talk to me in 15 years. But Josh Allen has a cannon, and he was throwing through that wind. And when I saw that, I said to myself, Jesus Christ, this kid is something else. He has got an, a rocket for an arm. He's got big body, big legs. He's not going anywhere. So the Patriots, again, they have to adjust their defense to make it work. And I think what they're doing in the secondary is a clear sign that they're trying to get faster they're going to be zone, they're going to be physical, and they have to be more athletic. So, now that I just talked about the secondary more than I expected to, typical podcast going off the rails, which tends to happen, we're going to talk about the front seven, because that's the area that it all begins. If you can't stop the run, you can't win games. I had this conversation with somebody yesterday on Twitter, and uh, he came back at me and said, oh, the Patriots, they need to, they need to get a wide receiver in a corner and this and that and all these positions that are on the on the outside and, and I understand that they do need to to get a they need a young corner and they need a young wide receiver they need to do they need to add to those positions but if anybody who watched the Patriots last year knows that they couldn't get a stop when they needed to specifically against the run you have to stop the run or you don't win games it's that simple so the first thing they need to do is look at their defensive line so right now, tackle and end, they could both use a major influx of young talent. Christian Barmore, he proved to be a terrific pick, and he should start for years to come. Probably going to become an all-pro. But that's just one guy. Devon Gadchow was signed as a free agent last year in their super splurge of 2021. But he absolutely has not lived up to the billing. I think he was two games last season where I said, oh, he looks pretty good. And then I went and did a little digging into who he was up against and... He's one of those guys that dominates bad players. And if you put him against anybody who's equal to his talent or potentially better than him, forget about it. He's got no chance. So Godchow, I don't know if he's the type of guy that the Patriots are going to want to hold on to. Um, He's got a $10 million cap hit. It's going to be a $5 million dead cap hit if they get rid of him. So they do save some. They save $5 million, and he's on a two-year deal. So that will come off the books after this year, even if they cut him. But still, it's one of those situations where... I don't think they're going to want to cut him. The Patriots, as we know, don't like to pay bonuses. They pay salary. Okay, so, and I, I got into an argument with multiple people online about this. They don't want to cut somebody 
and just give them that money. Because not only is that dead money on the cap, but you're handing that, these are guaranteed, that that's guaranteed money. Bonus money is guaranteed money, unless it's tied up in some incentives. But this is Godshaw's contract. That guaranteed money he's going to get, that $5 million, that check's getting cut, no matter what happens here. So, yeah, you save him $5 million off the books, and, and that looks good. And you, you can go in and probably sign one or two players or draft picks and use that money towards them or whatever you want to do. But, again... Bob Kraft doesn't want to take that $5 million he just spent and hand it to Devon Godchild to go play for another team this year because that's exactly what's going to happen. And, again, the Patriots, I don't want to use the word cheap because the last time I used the word cheap, I had some things thrown at me that I was quite stunned at. Uh, some of the accusations because I said that Bob Kraft doesn't like to spend as much money as a lot of other owners. The proof is in the pudding. I don't have to really get into this. You can look at the what they spend, and it's not cap. Look at what other teams spend in bonuses compared to what the Patriots spend. That's it. That's what it comes down to. And when they got left with all that dead cap money back in 2020, that was a, them going for it. And, and that's part of the deal. That's one of the things that's going to happen. One of the things, too, that teams are starting to do is they're giving short-term contracts to your deals that have higher bonuses, but at the same time, they're not crazy bonuses because they know they're willing to eat that money. I still don't think that Bob Kraft is willing to eat that money. I think he wants to make sure that if he's paid a guy up front that he sticks it out for the two years and that the Patriots keep him. So I just think that the Godchild thing, I I don't think they want to pay him $5 million to hit the streets. So I would like to see him get cut if he's not up to up to the the up to play, but at the same time, I, I just I don't see it. So uh, keep an eye on that one because that could be an interesting situation because that I just don't think he's good enough to play anymore, and I just think that they should probably let him go, but I, I don't think they will because of the money. Uh, Lawrence Guy, he's another one. He was still effective at times in 2021. He, has some, he had some good games, but it's clear he's on the back nine. Uh, he'd be more effective in a part-time role, I think. You know, those type of guys, you, you get him in there in passing downs or even just running downs, whatever you decide to do with him, I think he's probably more effective on the running downs. But he's the type of guy that you want to get off the field, you know, when you you need a a speed end out there when it's third and 18 and you want to go get the quarterback or if you need a guy to make a play. I, I just don't think Guy is that guy anymore. <laughs> that wasn't funny. Dietrich Wise Jr., good player, makes plays, makes a lot of mistakes. I know that people try to sugarcoat it and say, oh, no, he's a good player. He makes a ton of mistakes, but he is talented. He's also not getting any younger, um, and he benefits from playing in a rotation too. Uh, Henry Anderson, he was another one of the 2020 uh, free agent splurge, but he wasn't one of the big money ones. The the Patriots signed him away from the Jets. Uh, He returns after missing all of 2021 with an injury. Anderson, he's, he's like I said, he doesn't make a lot of money. His standing on the roster could be in question, though. I know Belichick likes him. I know that the Patriots defensive staff likes him because he can play outside, he can play inside. He's He's been relatively productive when he's been in the NFL. He gave the Patriots trouble when he used to play for the Jets. Um, but, again, he's the type of guy that they could cut and not have to pay. It's not going to be a big hit as far as, I don't have it in front of me, but as far as the dead cap money, and it's only, I think they're going to save $1.5 million if they cut them and have a $500,000 dead cap hit. I think it's right around there. So that's not really a big one. So Anderson, I think, could be on the bubble this year. If he comes back and looks good and he's healthy, like I said, Belichick likes him, so he could be one of those guys that sticks around 
and then they could say, hey, you know, now maybe we can cut a guy like Godchild because we're saving some money here. Just something to keep an eye on because Anderson is flexible. Uh, Byron Cowart, Daniel uh, Ukiali, Ukiali, I can't even pronounce his name, Ekuali, there it is, Ekuale. He actually stepped up in some games last year. I was impressed with some of the things I saw on film, too. Uh, I think the Patriots actually like him, and I, I see a spot for him on the roster. Byron Cowart, he's another one, too, that he's... He's not a bad depth guy, and I think if you can keep him around as even potentially on the practice squad, I think that that's something they're going to want to do. And he can even step in and help out when need be, and I think he could develop a little bit because Cowart's not hes not an old player. So, um, And last but not least, you have uh, Groundhog Day, Bill Murray, uh, to round out the, the remainder of that defense in front. I don't think Murray is a guy who's going to play a ton. Hard work, a big, strong guy. He, is, he, he looks like that guy that would have a hard hat on and he's out jackhammer in a street and he would just punch your teeth right down your throat and you would say thank you and walk away. That's what Bill Murray is. But sometimes those guys are not the greatest in the NFL because athleticism isn't quite there. But he's a plugger. He's a guy that you can throw in there and maybe you know make a couple plays here and there. He'll show up in the preseason like he did last year because he works so damn hard and he'll have some big-time young guy trying to block him who doesn't want to work as hard as him so Murray will show out during the preseason but he's another one that's kind of on the cusp as to what do we have here and makes me think that they definitely need an influx of talent again it's not exactly overwhelming uh, talent wise and it was clear last season that New England just couldn't get stops when they needed to especially against the top tier teams and those are the teams you need to get by what having the 21st pick, it really can limit you sometimes as far as picking what you want, unless you're like really aggressive and you have the, the fuel to go up and trade to get what you want. 21st pick is kind of like, all right, well, we'll see what we get here. I may be incorrect as far as the number, but I don't think I am. The Patriots got Vince Wilfork with the 21st pick uh, back in 2004. Um, this is all going off memory, so if this is any of this is incorrect, I apologize. But if it's not, damn, my memory's not bad. Uh, but Will Fork was the 21st pick back in 04, and I sat there and, and stared at the TV pleading that he would keep falling, and he did. So there's going to be somebody who slips. There's always a guy that will slip to 21 or slip into the 20s or even into the teens. Last year, they got Mac Jones and Christian Barmore. Neither one of those guys should have been available when they picked them. So there's going to be somebody there that they want. Another thing to keep in mind, too, when you get into this spot in 21, it tends to leave a team in the best player available category. That's kind of what they're looking to do. Uh, for two decades, the Patriots have used their board. They, I know you have the Mel Kuypers. There's a million Mel Kuypers out there now. To the point where, I, and I'm going to just say this openly, I don't even do mock drafts anymore. And all you guys that are doing them, sorry guys, it's a complete waste of time. Back in 2014, I, I did a... Four, five round, I don't know what it was. It was, it was a long mock draft for Yahoo.com. Had a ton of hits. I had all types of great stuff came out of it. I hit like, I was on, I was right on like 10 of them out of the whole entire draft. It took me so long to do the entire thing. Now, I don't want to sit here and knock the guys who that's all they do because they're talented. They know what they're talking about, they know these players. But the mock draft after mock draft after 1.0 to 2.0 to 3.0 to 4.0, where do you guys have the time to do all that crap? I just, I don't understand it. So I'm not a big mock draft guy. I'll talk about prospects and I'll talk about guys that I think the Patriots could take a look at, but I'm not going to sit here and get your hopes up and say, this is what my mock draft looked like because 
who the hell cares what Chris Simino's mock draft looks like because I ain't picking the team. I'm not in there picking the guys. It's it's absolutely mindless, pointless, and it's just an exercise in futility, and it's frustrating, and I don't even bother to read them anymore. I go, and I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to put a little plug in for him because he's, he's really talented. Dane Brugler over the, over the Athletic. God, I can't even talk right now. His beast that he puts out on a yearly basis is absolutely terrific. Dane, I'm sure you don't will never hear this, but if you do, props to you, man. This thing, I started reading it when you put it out a couple years ago. This is my third year reading it, and it's just excellent. It's a great breakdown, but you don't go too far with it, and that's what I really like about it. He, he just keeps it to basics, lets you know what the kid can do, gives you a little insight into what the talent, his main talents are, and then if you scroll down, you can see the breakdown. It's terrific stuff. So when you have guys like Dane that can do that type of work, and he does a mock draft because everybody does, but Dane's real talent and real work, and anybody, Evan Lazar does the same thing. When Evan and those guys do the breakdown of the talent, that's where it's good. That's where you get really good. Stop at the mock drafts, guys. You're too talented. Just give us a breakdown of the players. Tell us what you think the Patriots should do because that's all you really need to do. And I know you guys are all wasting a ton of time doing it. Mock drafts, don't waste your time. You're too talented. Show us the – just give us a breakdown and we'll go from there. So back – let's get back on track here. My uh, – my, no offense to anybody, but my ADHD is kicking in pretty bad right now. So let's let's get started. So there's one guy here, um, there's many players here that I have that I want to talk about, but uh, George Karlaftis, the edge from Purdue, um, he's 6'4", 266, he's got good size, he plays a style of football that the Patriots love, the kid's tough, the weather doesn't bother him, which I know a lot of people are like, oh, weather, Come on, really, you're going to talk about that? Yeah, I am, because a lot of these kids, they come up from down south, they've never played in cold, they get up here. And there's a tough adjustment period. Some of them never adjust at all, and they don't want anything to do with it. So having the fact that this kid played for Purdue, he's played in the tough weather, they know that he's a tough player, I think that's something that that definitely holds some weight. He showed up to his pro day, and it was 40 degrees. He had on just shorts, no T-shirt, no nothing, just shorts on. Uh, speaking of that pro day, he ran a 4.7140, which is excellent for an edge. Uh, what did make him stand out the most as a potential Patriot, though, was his three-cone drill. He ran that in 6.78 seconds, which is just an absolute ridiculous time. And that's a test, again, that's highly valued by the Patriots. It shows agility, quickness, recovery, all that type of stuff. And their scouting staff looks at that too. So if he is available at 21, he has been rumored as to be one of the guys the Patriots are looking at. He could be the pick. Next guy on the list, he's got a set, he's got a, I got a soft spot in my heart for this. I really like this kid. Jordan Davis, defensive tackle from Georgia, and I know I'm not the only one. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, okay, Simino. I'm sure that I'm sure you're the only person who likes Jordan Davis. Yeah, he's 6'6", 341 pounds, so clearly he's, he's not going unnoticed. Um, but what did I just say when I started this whole thing, when I was talking about 2004 and number 21 and number 75? Vince Wilfork slipped. Vince Wilfork never should have made it to the Patriots. But you know what happens sometimes? Teams get enamored with receivers, quarterbacks, edge, all those other positions, and they forget that when you don't have the guys up front, you're not going to win. And that's how a guy like Will Fork slipped to the Patriots, and that's how a guy like Jordan Davis could potentially slip to the Patriots too. Uh, Again, the chances of him being available at 21 are a little shaky, but I do think if he's still available in the teens and the Patriots feel like they can afford to go up and get him, don't be surprised if they do. 
they don't just trade back. I know that everyone's under the impression that the Patriots, they just trade back, but when they see a player they like and they've identified, they'll get aggressive to go draft that player. That's exactly how Dante Hightower and Chandler Jones ended up in New England. Davis is a talent. If New England thinks it's worth going up to get him, they're going to do it. Adding Jordan would allow the Patriots to use more four-man fronts, and they could put Barmore as an end in the 3-4. They can use, again, the two of them inside in the 4-3. They can use their hybrid front. They could do a lot. 6-6-3-41 with athletic ability, putting next to a kid like Barmore, it, that's, that is a absolute lethal combination, and I, I would love to see the Patriots be able to pull that off. Speaking of Georgia, we're not going to go too far away here. The second guy I wanted to talk about, and I, I, he's moving up the draft boards pretty quick, is Devontae Wyatt. Devontae is six foot three, three fifteen, so he's got that traditional defensive tackle size. Um, it actually seems small when you compare him to Davis, but he's six three, two fifteen. Clearly, he's not small. One thing that is a negative on him is he's twenty three years old. He's not a, that's not ideal as far as age, um, but he's the type of kid that he's going to come in and make an immediate impact. Impact something that was huge for the Patriots last year with Jones, Baumor, and Stevenson. So they kind of need to make that happen again. So if Wyatt's available at twenty one. I think that's a player that they definitely got to keep their eyes on because, again, they need immediate impact out of these rookies. Uh, Wyatt's strong in defending both the pass and the run, um, so he's a ter- terrific athlete for a guy his size. Um, again, he, he's been moving up the boards a little bit, so I don't think he's, I don't know if he's going to be available at 21, but if he is and the Patriots get him, he's another one that could be a very strong combination with Barmore. They need to add a second guy in there to take pressure off of him and not just take pressure off of him, but to make it a strength of their team. Uh, Boye Mafe from Minnesota, The Edge. And if I mispronounce his last name, I apologize, but whatever. Uh, he's listed at 6'4", 261, so he's got that ideal size. The Patriots like that size, 6'4", 6'5", right around there, 6'3". They, they don't like the smaller guys, especially at The Edge, the outside linebacker. They like guys with a little bit of, little bit of size to them. Uh, he made him, he had himself quite a week at the Senior Bowl, um, which is typically a that's a good spot to have the good time to have a a good week because when that happens, you typically end up in a decent spot in the draft. The Patriots they clearly need help at edge. I've been saying this the whole time, um, and he's a guy that should be available at twenty one. From what I've been seeing, and I don't like mock drafts, but from most of the mocks that I've looked at, and from most of the rankings that I've looked at, he's in the twenty to thirty range. So he's the type of guy that could probably be there, unless the team falls in love with him and takes him early, which tends to happen. Uh, he does need work on the run game, uh, but he is ready to contribute right away as a pass rusher. That is a huge red flag for me because this team needs a lot of help as far as stopping the run. So I don't know if the Patriots see it that way, but I think that they do. And I I don't know if he's going to be the guy just because of that. Uh, He does have the fastest get-off in this draft, so he gets off the line of scrimmage and he gets off the D-line faster than anybody. The kid's quick first, second step is just ridiculous, which, you know, that's important in the NFL. You have type of guys like that. They put the pressure on that quarterback. Those are the type of kids that I was talking about that we need to tackle. You need to get to Josh Allen. He's the type of guy that's going to get to him and make that tackle. Problem is, is when they hand the ball off to one of their running backs, is he going to be able to set the edge and do what he has to do on that side and not get blown out of there? Because when your edge doesn't set the edge, guess what happens? A long run. So we'll see what the deal is with him. I know a lot of guys around here have been talking about him. They like him, but you got to be a two-way player to play in New England. So unless they're thinking Lawrence Guy is going to take the run part of it and they're going to use this kid as just a pass rusher, 
so be it. But I, I just, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes on that one. But he has been rumored that the Patriots like him. And, again, he is the fastest at getting off the line and scrimmage in this draft. So he's probably going to have a decent career as a pass rusher. So he's somebody to keep an eye on. Next guy. This one's a little, little bit of a local yokel. Travis Jones, defensive tackle from UConn. Jones and I talked to a couple guys and we were having conversations on Twitter over the last couple days with you know different Patriots fans and and things, and I found it interesting talking to this fan. He he said you know I was kind of rude to him at first and I I, I kind of felt bad about that. So if, if you listen to this, I apologize to you. Um, but he had said you know I I would like to see them get Jones. They'll get a linebacker in the first round and potentially get. Travis Jones in the second or third round and I said to him listen after I stopped being a jerk I said you know I I don't think Jones is going to be available in the second or third round this kid's moving up the boards pretty quick he's 6'4 he's 325 pounds so he's a perfect fit for the Patriots or anybody's defensive front he's talented he's very large he's a run stopper and from everything that everybody has said scouts and, and and just having watched them watched him play as an athlete He's going to develop nicely as a pass rusher, too. This kid's going to be a two-way player. He's not just a one-way guy. He's also reportedly the type of kid that's willing to put in the work to get better. Every coach says that they want those guys. You hear it all the time, I want guys that want to work and guys that want to get better. But Belichick, he actually abides by it. He's done that his whole time. If the Patriots were to trade back, like say they go trade back to like 25, 26 to, to accumulate some more picks, I think Jones would be the target either late in the first round or early in the second Again, depending on who was on the board. I know the Patriots do look at the local players a lot. I said I'm on record as saying that if Zion Johnson's available at 21, I think they're going to take him. But if they do trade back, I think Jones is definitely one of the guys to keep an eye on. If he happens to slip, like the young, like the man I talked to on Twitter yesterday had said, then definitely keep an eye on him because he is a good fit for what the Patriots need. Next up, this is one of the best names in the draft, but I don't necessarily know if he's going to be a, a Patriot, but he would be a fit. Fedarian Mathis. Fedarian. What a great name. Now he's out of Alabama. 6'4", 3'10". Like Jones, he, he's got the size that the Patriots love. Uh, he's a second or third round prospect, according to everything that I've been reading and everything that I've, I've seen, um, which may be a good find if New England doesn't go defensive tackle or edge with their first pick. Like I've said, if they go with a guard or if they go with you know somewhere on offense in their first pick, then they're going to have to look at these guys like Federian Mathis and Travis Jones or any of these guys that could be available in the second or third round. Because, again, these are holes that need to be filled. It's not something where they can say, oh, we'll, we'll just go and get an undrafted free agent. No, they need talent. Uh, Mathis, he's not a perfect prospect, which is the case with most of these guys. He's good. And he's got hands that he gets off the ball quickly. He's good at getting into the offensive lineman. So as a D, as a D lineman, and I'm, I coach football. I've been around the game my whole life. I'm an offensive coordinator, and I'm a defensive line coach. So those are my two areas. you got to get your hands into a guy. If you're a defensive lineman, it's and you'll hear it all the time, anybody who played the game, who coached the game, who's been around the game, hands, 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 hands. you got to win the hands battle. This kid wins the hands battle. He, he wins it all the time. And in the NFL, that's huge, huge. Because every single time you're up against a guy up front, the offensive line, I got news for people who don't realize this, technically they can hold on every play. They get their hands inside. All you have to do is get your hands on the inside of the shoulder pads and you're allowed to hold legally. So if you don't win the hand battle and those tackles and guards and centers get their hands on you and they have you legally locked down, you ain't moving. I don't care how many rip moves or or what swim move or whatever you want to do. Swim move for interior guys sucks anyways. But the thing is, if... 
you can't win the hands battle, you can't play defensive line, period, especially the interior. And this kid's one of the best in the draft. So that is something to definitely keep an eye on. Um, It's weird, though. He's good with his hands, but he is blockable, which makes me think he may get lazy sometimes. So he's going to have to get coached up a little bit. He also could be one of those guys who's just going to be a two-down player in the league. Um, He's terrific against downhill running teams. Now, let's get this straight. I know a lot of people go, downhill running, that's just a running team. No, it's not. Because you have zone schemes. And then you have teams that run a little bit more downhill with the eye and just regular traditional schemes. He's good against traditional schemes. He's not good against zone. When he gets stretched out and he's got to work his way down the line, he gets reached all the time. And a guy that gets reached, that's not a good sign. So Mathis is is a very interesting prospect. A lot of people have him rated as a second or third because of the fact that he's good with his hands and he gets off the ball quickly. But again, he does all these things that you need to do to be a great player, but then he turns around and gets blocked easily and and, and does foolish things in the zone game and gets reached, which it, you can't get reached. Now, I'll say the opposite with my with my offensive line. You say you got to get to that spot and you got to get outside shoulder on him who's that guy. But a reach block is, if you don't understand what it is, let me explain to you guys. So what it is is a defensive end. When you hear the term wide nine or a nine technique, he's on the outside of the tight end or the outside of a tackle. Basically, he's on the outside shoulder of that lineman. The lineman has to get to the outside shoulder and seal him in. So like if you see a toss on the outside or if you see a sweep or anything that goes outside, the tackle which typically is what it is, or a tackle or a tight end, has to get to the outside shoulder of that end or the tackle to seal him in to make that running lane. It's a hard block to make, and most good or decent defensive linemen are going to be able to get off of it and are going to be able to fight through it. If he can't do it at the college level with Mathis here, I, I, I worry about that. So just a little bit of football uh, information for you guys and something for you, a little education as to one of the things that coaches look at if you can't get off a reach block in college that definitely is not a good sign for your nfl prospects but again mathis has some ability and i think this might have a lot to do with coaching and i think it have might have a lot to do with just maybe not being quite as mature as he needs to be so let's keep an eye on mathis i think that the patriots always look at every alabama player because most of them are four and five star prospects coming out of high school so Fidarian mathis questionable prospect think the Patriots will take a look at him but personally myself I don't think I'm a big fan next guy up I'm always going to have be a, a slight fan of these guys because I'm a, I'm a USC fan have been my whole life uh, Drake Jackson is an edge from USC uh, Jackson 6'3 273 again he's got that size that they like uh, he's he's going to be good against the run in the pass in the NFL. He, obviously, he was a Trojan, which I've already said. Um, the Patriots, they don't draft a ton of guys from USC, and they do tend to draft from certain schools like Michigan, Oklahoma, Alabama, Florida, those Rutgers, those teams. They, they do draft a ton of guys from those teams. They just tend to not draft a ton of guys from USC, which is fine. But this kid, Drake Jackson, fits what they're looking for. Um, he, he did meet with the Patriots at the Combine. He actually said it was one of the coolest experiences of his life, and he was really nervous, but I get that. My first press conference in there, Bill Belichick almost made me pee my pants. I, I, I get it. Uh, I can just imagine what it's like playing for him. But he did meet with them, and so there is some interest there. Um, Jackson, like Mathis, he's going to take some time to develop, but I think he has more upside than Mathis does. Um, if he works and he gets after it, which he needs to do, he's going to be a good NFL contributor. 
But the athleticism and the overall talent, it's all there. It's just a matter of continuing to develop. So we'll see, how, we'll see what happens. Last guy in the, uh, for up front is another Alabama guy. I know you guys probably like, what, did you just go to the Alabama depth chart? Well, no, but the thing about the Patriots is when they're spending time at Alabama Pro Days and they're, you know, your, your head coach is best friends with the head coach of, of Alabama and he coached on his staff and he runs his defense and does all the same stuff, well, clearly he's going to be keeping his eye on the players that that coach coaches. He's done it. Mac Jones, Kristen Barman were their first two picks are both out of Alabama last year. The, Damian Harris is out of Alabama. This team likes Alabama players. Next guy is Christopher Allen. He's an edge out of Alabama. Allen would have been a starter uh, last season in, in 2021 and likely would have been a stud if he didn't get hurt 10 plays into the season. Unfortunately, he went down pretty quick, and that was the end of that. He's considered to be a fourth-round talent with serious upside, so one of those guys that could be a steal depending on who ends up getting him. And again, like we said, the Patriots love Alabama players, so you know he's on their radar. He is a value pick, a huge value pick, considering his pedigree and his injury status. So the Patriots, they look at that and see talent and value. He's listed at 6'4", 242, so he's a little bit on the lighter side, but again, 242 is good for an outside linebacker slash edge. Um, Again, he sustained two major injuries in college, so not only did he get hurt last year, he missed all of 2018, so that's a little bit of a red flag on Allen. He he tends to get hurt. Um, I don't think that will deter the Patriots if he's available, where they have him ranked, but it is definitely something to keep in mind um, as far as his draft uh, prospects for the Patriots. Linebacker is another major area of need for the Patriots, and there are some guys up at the top that I know that they've looked at and guys that have been heavily linked to the Patriots. So I I said the two biggest areas of need on the roster, if they're going to go play a game tomorrow, now I know the defensive line needs help. I just talked about it, went way in depth with it, more than I even expected to. They need a middle linebacker. They need an inside linebacker. That's it. They, they, need, they don't have one. They don't have anybody that's a starter. They have guys that they've drafted like Cam McGrone and guys like that, but they don't have a legitimate starting inside linebacker. They need linebackers. First one on the list, and there's been a lot of rumors of this guy possibly coming to New England, is Devin Lloyd from Utah. Now, Lloyd's a good player. Six foot two, two hundred thirty-seven pounds. He's fast. He runs a four-six forty, so he can move. Uh, Lloyd's the type of guy that can come in right away and be able to help them. Um, he's ridiculous at closing gaps. He's got long strides. He, the kid's good. He, he's the type of guy that he's going to come in and he's going to make everybody around him better. Last year, he had one hundred and ten tackles, twenty-two for loss, which is impressive. In eight sacks, ten passes defended, four picks. So this kid, he's legit. You know, he's the type of guy that. I could see them taken. I really could. I, 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 again, I'm going to reiterate this. If there's a position of need, and that need is number one on your on your list or your or the Patriots board, then you have to go that route. You have to go there. So keep an eye on him because I do think that he is 100% on their radar, and I do think there's a very good chance that he's going to be available at 21. So Devin Lloyd, he's also the number one ranked linebacker, according to most experts. So that would be a good get for them. And again, 6'2", 237 with, with good speed. That's the type of guy you want to get. He is also another one who's a little bit older. He's 23 years old, but again, those guys are a little bit more mature sometimes, so that's not the worst thing in the world to deal with. And to be honest, most of these guys are working off for their rookie contracts, and then after that, it's all up in the air. So who knows? 
Second guy, we're going back to Georgia with my man, Nicobe Dean. I know so many people around here want him so bad. He, he won the... He won the um, the Buckus Award. He, he's best linebacker in the country last year. He is small. He's a small guy. He's 5'11". He's 229. But he flies. He absolutely flies. And, and a kid like him, you know, he's a tackle machine. He had, a hundred, he had 72 tackles last year, 10 for a loss, 6 sacks. He was all over the place in the, in the uh, national championship game. I know that he's also been linked to the Patriots. I know that they've also met with him. Keep an eye on this because if they really do – want to make that step and get lighter at linebacker and be faster and be that fast, physical, strong team that can make the plays, then go all the way with it. Go get Kobe Dean because he's the kind of type of kid that's going to fit in with the type of guys that they've already signed this offseason. So keep an eye on that one. I, I know I like you know all these linebackers, and I've been talking about a lot of them, and Kobe Dean is not somebody I've really talked about all that much, but I'm going to be honest with you. The reason I haven't talked to him all that much is because I just don't think the Patriots are going to draft him. But if they do, I'm going to probably be the happiest guy around because that's going to show even more that they're committed to this shift in defense, which has to happen as the league gets faster. They just don't have a choice. So let's keep an eye on that one, Kobe Dean. I know uh, good old Boston Cream on Twitter. You know you're out there. I hope you listen to this. I know that he wants him bad, and I would love to see that happen because he's a pretty funny guy, and I have a feeling we see some pretty hilarious tweets Third guy on the list, and I had read a couple things today, and a little birdie told me that this could happen. Quay Walker. Where, else, where, where does he go to school? It's either Alabama or Georgia, right? Georgia, another one. 6'3", 241. Great size. Patriots love that. That's a big thing for them. Kid can move. He ran a 4-5 in the 40. You know, this. I think Quay Walker is a type of guy that can come right in. They can replace Hightower. He's not going to beat Devon. He's not going to beat Dante Hightower right off the bat, but he's going to be fast. He's going to go to the ball. He's going to make tackles, and he's going to be an excellent player. So, Quay Walker from Georgia. I think that he's definitely a prospect the Patriots could be looking at. I think that he's the type of kid that can come in and start right away. He's only 21 years old. He's going to turn 22 on May 8th. So he's he's young. He's not the, a year older than like a couple of the other prospects that I've spoken about. Um, he was a four-star recruit coming out of high school. Um, 20. He was the number two linebacker uh, in 2018. So this kid, you know, he's a blue chip. He's close to a blue chip. He's not a five-star, but he's as close as you get. And he went to Georgia. Any anybody who goes to Georgia and stands out, you have to take a serious look at him. Patriots know what they're doing when it comes to drafting inside linebackers. They've, they've done a good job, especially when they identify one early, like those special kind of talents. It's one thing with, like, you know, taking a gamble on a guy, but if you look at Hightower and you look at some of these other guys that they've drafted early, first-round linebackers, they tend to be pretty good. So I think Walker is a guy that definitely would be a fit with New England. I think from an athleticism standpoint, he definitely would, would raise that for their defense. And size-wise... I know for a fact that they look at him compared to N'Kobe Dean and say, well, this kid's definitely going to be able to take on a guard or take on more guys and be able to shed a block instead of having to work around it like Dean would. I think that Walker would be a better fit, and I think for them he'd be more of a fit. But again, we'll see if they're doing this as far as their shift in their um, their whole philosophy on playing defense. I think that'll say a lot. If they take Walker with their first pick, I think that says a lot as to what they're doing with their philosophy. So keep an eye on that one. 
Brian Asamoah out of Oklahoma, another guy that I have identified that I personally like as a linebacker. He's a little bit smaller as far as his, his uh, weight is concerned. He's you know, he's six feet, a little bit over six feet, 226 pounds. But Oklahoma, that's another area, another team that the Patriots have had a history of going after guys and kick and play. So I definitely think that's somebody who they can take a look at. Uh, 89 tackles, four for a loss, only had one sack. Um forced a couple fumbles though so the kid's got pretty good hands and he's active um you know he he does a good job against the run he's he's talented but at the same time he's a little bit like i said he's a little bit undersized so sometimes he gets a little bit overwhelmed by blockers and that that can be a problem um he does get a little bit caught up in the in the wash too which is basically you get lost in traffic as like linemen guards all that type of stuff kind of get in your way um and when you don't have size it's can in it can be tough and it's not just size as far as like getting through them it's the the length of your your strides and things of that nature if you're only six feet you know there's a good chance that all the guys that are six foot two six foot three six foot four up front they're going to wash you're going to get washed up in them so that's one of the reasons Asamoah is rated where he is and why he'd be available a little bit later in the draft Uh, but I do know that again if the Patriots are really serious about going the speed route and getting linebackers who they think can come in and get to the ball and and are hard for blockers to even get to and, and make things hard. And they got some always the type of guy they can get, you know, the type of guy they want to look at. Four, five, six in the 40, you know, that's fast. You know, that's a fast kid. So keep an eye on that one. I think that they like these players out of these big schools. And, again, Oklahoma's been one of the teams that they have gone to in the past and, and, and drafted players from. Um, so keep an eye on that one because I think he's a could be a good player for them, and I think that's something they're going to um, – I think that's a guy that they're going to take a look at. Another late-round prospect linebacker that I like is DeMarco Jackson out of Appalachian State. Again, not that big. He's six feet and a half. Um, not six six. He's six feet and a half an inch. Uh, he weighs about two hundred and thirty pounds. So he's you know he's not very. He's not that light, but he's not that that big either. He's also going to be twenty four years old before the season starts. So let's keep that in mind. He had one hundred and twenty tackles last year, nineteen for a loss, six sacks. So the kids pretty talented player he was the uh the sunbelt defensive player of the year uh first team all sunbelt obviously if you're in the sunbelt conference you're putting up numbers like that you're going to be first team uh but this kid's legit he's a team captain he's a leader um he's got good straight line speed he can move um you know he's got some things he's he's a little bit he's built a little narrowly and he does get caught up with blockers sometimes um but he's quick to the ball um and Sometimes a little too quick to the ball, but that's something that's coachable and can be fixed. So DeMarco Jackson, he's the type of kid you probably see come off the board around the 6th or 7th round. And the Patriots actually yesterday traded back. They gave up a 5th rounder to add a 6th and 7th. My guess is probably to add more depth on whatever side of the ball. But I think DeMarco Jackson out of Appalachian State is a guy that I would like to see here. And again, if they're making that move to fast linebackers, Jackson ran a 4-5-40, and the kick can move. So keep an eye on him late. He could be a potential Patriot. Uh, DeMarco Jackson, Appalachian State. So we're going to move on to the secondary, which I know in the beginning of, the, of this we, we spoke a little bit of, but I just want to give you some of the prospects that I think the Patriots could be looking at. Um, there are some guys out there. I don't think, and people may think that I'm crazy for saying this, I actually don't think that safety is a need for this team right now. Um, I think that they're going to go... With the veterans that they have, they have some young guys back there that can play a little bit too. 
So I think what the need is with this team in the secondary is more at corner than it is at safety. Um, so we're going we're gonna to delve into that a little bit just with some of the corners that I think they could be looking at. Um, there's not a lot. Um, again, we'll, we'll let you guys go soon here because we've been going for a little bit. But it's the night before the draft, and I want to give you guys an idea what I think the Patriots are going to do. So that's what we're going to do. Cornerback, uh, you know, I like Derek Stingley Jr. Who doesn't? He ain't going to be there. So I'm just putting his name up because I think he is probably the best. I like him the best. I, I would love to see the Patriots get him. Um, he's a guy that they could potentially trade up for if they're interested. Run a 4-4-40, uh, 4.44. The kid, he can fly. Um, his arms are not exactly the longest thing in the world, but that doesn't matter. Um, he can fly, and he's young. He's only 21 years old. He'll be 21 when the season starts. He's technically only 20 years old right now. So this kid's got, you know, 10 to 15 years in front of him as an NFL player. Uh, Stingley and his grandfather, who the, um, was the man who got, unfortunately, paralyzed uh, for the Patriots, um, Daryl Stingley, when he was hit very, very cheaply by um, his name is escaping me right now because I'm getting old and my brain isn't quite as good as it used to be, um, but it was one of the dirtiest hits in the history of the league, and his grandfather was was a Patriot, a very good one too. Um, so there is a, a tie, a historical tie to the Patriots, um, but I don't think there's going to be one as far as him being on the roster because I think he's going to end up going early, but I'm putting his name out there because I think he's the best corner in the draft, and I'm sure the Patriots like him. Second guy that I'm looking at here, and I know the Patriots brought him in for a meeting, but I also know that they never draft that anybody from the school is uh, Andrew Booth Jr. out of Clemson. Kid's good. He was hurt. Uh, he's been dealing with an injury, so he didn't run a 40. So, But they know what he can do. The kid was fantastic in his career at Clemson. He's going to be good in the NFL. But again, the Patriots, when it comes to corners and it comes to anybody out of Clemson, they just, for some weird reason, there's something there that they don't like. It could be an awareness thing. It could be a scheme thing. That's what a lot of this comes down to, a scheme. If their scheme is different than what the Patriots do, then they don't make sense to come onto the roster. It doesn't make sense to draft them. So I think that's what it has to do with it. That's why you haven't seen any Clemson defenders or any Clemson players in general drafted by New England is because A, they weren't in a position to draft one last season because they didn't have the number one pick. And I just don't think defensively they're the same type of uh, defense that they have, so that's a lot to do with it. But they did bring in Booth for an interview, so keep that in mind. This could be the year that they break the mold and go and draft a, a kid from Clemson. So my second corner that I really like a lot, again, Andrew Booth Jr., but, again, I don't see them drafting him because they don't touch corners from that school or anybody from Clemson. Kobe Bryant out of Cincinnati. Oh, my God, it's so weird to say that name. I, I tried to do it naturally and just try to roll it off the tongue, but it's hard. Kobe Bryant, man, that's crazy. So Kobe Bryant out of Cincinnati, and that would be weird to say if they do draft him because it's just, it's still, I'm not even, I hate the Lakers, but it still breaks my heart that he's gone. Um, Kobe Bryant of Cincinnati is a third-round prospect. Good size, 6'1", weighs 193 pounds. He's quick. He runs a 4.47. Uh, Patriots did interview him, so they, they definitely have him on their radar. He's potentially a third, second, third, fourth-round pick. Um, Bryant is the type of guy that, will take some seasoning. They're going to have to get him in here, work with him, and get him going. But, you know, you can't really argue with what his build is and what his attributes are. The kid was an excellent player. So I think that Bryant is definitely someone who's on their radar. Again, from what I've read, they did meet with him. So kind of an unforgettable, kind of an unforgettable name. So keep an eye on Kobe Bryant out of Cincinnati. He, again, was a second, third, fourth round um, 
as far as where he was slotted by most of the experts. I think that he's the type of guy that could jump up a little bit because when a team like the Patriots show that they like him, other teams have to look at him, so keep an eye on that. Let's go back to Alabama and take a look at Josh Joby. He is a senior. He did not run the 40-yard dash, but he probably ran one in private for Belichick. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I totally made that up. Um, <laughs> just a joke because Belichick basically lives down there. But if anybody's going to have intel on if this kid can play or not, who is it going to be? It's going to be the Patriots. He's one of those guys, again, fourth, fifth, sixth round area. He could be. He could jump up a little bit because, again, he's got that pedigree. But I think Josh Joby's a guy to keep an eye on. I think, again, out of Alabama, the Patriots always look at those guys no matter what. Um, so that's definitely a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, Chase Lucas out of Arizona State. He's another guy, late round prospect. He's, he's a little bit. He's not the the fastest guy, and he he's not. He doesn't have the greatest weight in the world. But he's a good player, and he goes out there and he makes plays. He only weighs 180. He's 5'11", but he runs a 4'4'8", so he's fast enough to do what he needs to do in the NFL. And again, he's one of those late-round prospects that the Patriots, they tend to do a good job with late-round defensive backs. For some weird reason, they, you know, like Duke Dawson and some of these other guys that have been busted, Joe Juan Williams, he stinks. I'm sorry, Joe Juan, if you hear this podcast, you seem like a nice guy, but I'm sorry, I don't think it's going to work for you here. He, he just hasn't been good. I think that when they draft guys later, for some weird reason, they tend to have more success with them. J.C. Jackson was an undraft was undrafted, so they and Malcolm Butler was undrafted. So I think the Patriots are one of those teams that they could take a gamble on one of these guys who slips. Another guy that I like personally, uh, Chris Steele out of USC. He's a sixth or seventh round prospect. He came out early. He's a junior. He's six feet, one hundred eighty seven pounds. So he's got good size. He runs just under a four five. So he's a four four eight in the forty. Kick and move. He's the type of guy, too, that I think the Patriots could really work with. He's a USC player. He's obviously four-star prospect, great athlete. So there's a lot of guys that if the Patriots get their hands on in the secondary this year coming out, I know a lot of people are like, well, this draft may not have a ton of talent. It always does. There's always a ton of talent in these drafts. It's just a matter of finding the right guys and coaching them up. And if they find the right corners, they will find, they'll coach them up and they'll be fine. So I, I do think that Steele is a guy that they could take a look at. Some of the uh, potential free agents, okay, because I definitely think that we should talk about this too real quick before I let you guys go for the night. You got, there's a few that I would keep an eye on. Michael Wright out of Oregon, he's another one. He's a junior. Not the biggest kid in the world. He's about 5'10", 180, runs a 4'5". But again, if they need somebody say somebody goes down or if they want to bring somebody in as a developmental corner as a developmental slot corner he's the type of kid that can come in and do that um you know there's there's a a handful of guys that i know uh sam webb sam webb out of uh, missouri western he's another one that the patriots have had their eyes on he runs a 4-4 in the 40 448 actually he's got good size he's six feet 202 so keep an eye on sam webb and uh last i want to talk about uh zion gilbert out of florida atlantic he's a senior six feet 193 he runs a 4-4-240 he's another guy that probably will not get drafted but if you look at his athletic ability and you look at what he did when he was at Florida Atlantic, he's the type of guy that with the good coaching, I think the Patriots could bring him in and he could contribute, maybe not right away, but a guy that they could get on the practice squad, work with him, get him up to speed and make him a contributing player on their roster. It's just, you know, everybody talks about, oh, you know, go get a guard or go get a defensive tackle. Or go get one of those guys in the fourth, fifth or sixth round. You got to make a, you got to get a corner early. You got to get a receiver early. No. No, 
It's the opposite. It's the absolute opposite. Take your defensive backs late. They've had a lot of success taking defensive backs late. Go out and get your areas where you need to have the most talent up front. You have to have talent up front, defense or offense, and then your linebackers and fix that first. Kobe Dean, like I said, he's a guy that I really like a lot. I'd love to see him come off the board. You know, there's multiple guys that I'd like to see them draft. But the, the truth of the matter is, I love, I love to have a good corner. I, you know, to be honest with you guys, Ty Law was my favorite player. I loved when Revis came here. I'm a big fan of, the, of that position. I like watching those athletes work. But, again, as somebody who's been around the game his whole life, who coaches it, who, who studies it, who scouts it, who writes about it, if you don't have a good defensive line, if you don't have, a good, if you don't have good linebackers and you can't stop the run, you have no chance to win. So, again, we talked about some of those guys in the secondary that I think could help them out. But the truth of the matter is, this team needs to fix their front seven. They need to infuse talent. They need to get younger. And if they don't do it, they're probably going to go 10-8 and eight next year because they're going to lose to good teams and they're going to beat the bad ones. So unless they make this move and go after a kid like a Jordan Davis or a Devontae Wyatt or one of those type of guys, it could be a long season in 2022. So I don't want to leave you guys in a position where it's negative because... That's not what we do here on this show. I firmly believe that the Patriots will have another strong draft. I think a lot of the scouting that was done by David by uh, Ziegler is probably already done. So keep that in mind. Next year is going to be a true test of where they're at as far as their their personnel department and, and how they're drafting. the The work for this season was pretty much already done before Ziegler went to Las Vegas. So let's see how they do. Let's see how uh, Matt Grow, son of Al Grow, I'm getting old and I just want to say all the dad's names because I can't remember the son's names. Let's see how Matt Grow does. I have a feeling he's going to do okay because, again, they're going off of scouting reports that they've already put together. They've been putting together this draft since the last year, even before last year with their advanced scouting. So I think this year they'll be fine because, again, they're going off of what they had over the last two seasons. Let's see what they do. Let's see if they make the shift. Let's see, do they go into Kobe Dean? Because if they do, oh, look out, because you're going to see a, a huge shift in as far as the way they're going to play defense. If they go Jordan Davis, maybe they're not going to shift all that much. Maybe they're going to go with that big body, and they're going to find the guys they think they need, and they're going to do what they do. I don't know. That's the great part about tomorrow night. This is a team that went 10-8, and eight, that found a quarterback, so they found the most important position that they needed. Everyone thinks that their wide receivers stink. They don't. Their wide receivers are just this solid. They're fine. They need to fix up their offensive line a little bit. They're still a 10-win team. But again, what happens tomorrow night and what happens going forward for the next few days with the defense? Do they fix the front seven? Are they going to have a philosophical change to speed? Are they going to completely change what they do? Or are they going to just be the old Patriots and think that what they do continues to work? I don't know. That's the great part about these next three days. And I can't wait to see what happens. And I'm going to tell you guys, tomorrow night, we will have an emergency podcast. We will jump on as soon as they do what they do. Right after the 21st pick, if they trade back, then we will wait till they make this selection. If they're not going to make a selection tomorrow night, we'll immediately record a pod and we'll get it posted just to give you guys a reaction off of who they drafted, who they traded for, whatever happens, we will have a reaction for you tomorrow night. 
I want to thank all of you for sticking with me. This has been a long show. I went over through a lot of guys, and we did it on purpose because the bottom line is I feel like you all deserve to know who I think the Patriots are going to be looking at. And now you have a chance to take a look at these guys and potentially say, hey, we, we talked about I heard about him last night. I remember this guy. Not everybody knows all these college players. It's our job to introduce them to you, and that's what I did tonight. So thank you again for sticking around for the 46 minutes that I've been on here. Um, apologize for any of my, my brain cramps because that's going to happen in a podcast, but it is what it is. Again, thank you for joining us on this very cold Wednesday night in New England. I will see you all, or you all hear from me tomorrow night. Enjoy the draft. Don't eat too much. Actually, eat all you want. Have a great time. And make sure tomorrow night you click on the link, i say around 11 o'clock, when I talk about who the Patriots drafted, didn't draft, or the trades that they made to obtain draft picks. Have a great night, everybody. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.